All right. This is the last of our little mini-series uh, within the book of Mark. So we've taken kind of a, a pause on one phrase that Jesus gives to his disciples. And that phrase is, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And so we've actually looked at this um, uh, this call that Jesus has to his disciples to really, it's the call of every rabbi to all of their disciples to follow me, be with your rabbi, spend time with them. Uh, and we've wrapped up, we, we kind of talked through that, be like your rabbi or be, I'm sorry, be with your rabbi, be with Jesus. Um, and we wrapped that up in kind of a phrase that was, may you be covered in the dust of your rabbi. We talked about that a few weeks ago. And then uh, the next call is to, um, I will make you. We talked about that last week, we had a guest here uh, who spoke about uh, how we're made. And so we want to be like our rabbi, become like Jesus. And he said uh, this phrase that I thought was really great for us, um, may, uh, sorry, what you choose to follow makes you. And that was kind of the how it works to be a rabbi or a follower of Jesus. What you choose to follow makes you. We're being shaped into something. And, and something I'd want to say in that same kind of vein is we're all disciples of something. We're all being discipled by something. It's not a choice whether to be a disciple or not to be a disciple. The choice is what will, be you, what will you be a disciple of or who will be discipling you? And so we, the first call of this um, follow me is to be with your rabbi. The second call is I will make you, I will change you. So become like your rabbi. And the third one is this morning and it's uh, I want to make you fishers of men. Do what your rabbi does. In another language, we could say, join Jesus. This is our rabbi. Join Jesus in bringing the kingdom of heaven to the kingdom of earth. That's what he's doing, and that's what he calls us to do along with him, and it's an exciting role to play with him. So follow me, and I will make you a fisher of men. Even in today's language, when you become the apprentice of someone, um, there's eventually a plan to do what they do. So whether you uh, are, I, I see some college students out, so I was like, oh man, it'd be fun to hear like their like apprenticeship, right? So um, yeah, so Matt, I'm like looking at you. I know he's like, don't look at me. Don't do it. Because like Matt, yeah, we'll make you talk. But like um, Matt, from what I understand, is, is like he's learning, uh, he he's, has an apprenticeship, if you will, like at a golf course. Because uh, his, his line of work, his desire is to be able to manage a golf course. So I imagine at some, at some point, in some capacity later on in life, as you have spent time um, with people who manage golf courses and take care of everything and, and talk through all the, the business side of it and the practicalities of it, one day you want to do that yourself right? Like that would be the goal. So you apprentice under this and then one day you do it. Or maybe like a plumber or an electrician, they have apprenticeship programs that last two or three years. And eventually you then get to go off on your own and do what your, your teacher did. You're going to wire a house. You're going to be able to plumb or do plumbing in a house. Um, and so all these things are a, an outpouring of you are with your teacher and then you become and you do what your teacher does. Uh, even if you are a barista at a coffee bar, are, and you are learning how to uh, pull shots and steam milk and, and do the cool little fancy latte art and all that good stuff, right? Like it, you're doing that, you're apprenticing. Eventually, the hope is as a student, you then can be released to do the thing that your teacher taught you to do and the teacher can stand back. 
And we see this in like other realms of like stages of like this apprenticeship, right? Like you, uh, I do and you watch. And then like the next stage is that like I I do and you help, you know, that's like when the like little kid gets to like hold the flashlight for their kid or dad or whatever and like hand them tools, like you're going to help me kind of. And then uh, you're going to do and I'm going to help you. And so alongside them, and then you're going to do and I'm going to watch. And so essentially what we want to do is move along this progression with Jesus in what we're watching him do, and then we want to join him in it. And what that is, is as he brings the kingdom of heaven to the kingdom of earth. At some point, we want to be able to do everything our teacher does, everything our rabbi does. And so after some point of the disciples following Jesus, Maybe that was uh, six months or, or a year or a year and a half or two. At some point, the disciples were watching Jesus. They're watching how he interacts with crowds of people and how he loves them and, and how he responds to people who have questions about what he's teaching and, and how he teaches in the synagogues and he stands and he reads scripture and he teaches what, what, the, what those scriptures mean. They're watching him heal people and they're seeing him do this ministry it's their turn. It's their turn now to go and do what the rabbi did. And so Mark chapter 6, verse 7 through 13, I'm going to read that to us. It'll be up there. It's fairly small. That'll be all right. Um, And we're going to just read this together. And this is Jesus's commissioning of his disciples one of the times. And so then Jesus went around uh, teaching from village to village calling the twelve to him. And he began to send them out two by two and give them authority over impure spirits. Pause real quick. That word send that you see there, that's the word that we get our, our, uh, our meaning of like a missionary or of mission. In fact, the word is uh, um, apostello. That's what the, word, the root word of this word send. It kind of sounds like um, apostle, right? Like that's where they get their, their, their name, the, the, the 12 apostles, or the 12 sent ones, the ones who are sent. And so um, there's our little lesson of language for the day. But uh, here's our, uh, the ones who, be, who began to be sent into the world as mes- messengers or as missionaries. And so I want that to kind of retrain our thinking about how we see that word mission or missionary, because oftentimes we see it as a place other than where we are now. A mission is uh, somewhere far away um, in some sort of world or land that uh, is very different than our own, and we kind of have a picture of it. These sent ones really are here now. Anyone who proclaims the message of Jesus, um, who is a messenger in their own city, in their own area, is a missionary, if you will, or a messenger, um, uh, one who is sent. So he gives them authority over impure spirits. That's pretty cool. I I don't want to rush through this. This is the power that God gives to his disciples as he says, go and do what I did. So as you do this, I want to give you authority, he says, over unclean, impure spirits. Then these were his instructions. Take nothing for your journey except for a staff. Don't take any bread. Don't take a bag. No money in your belts. Wear sandals, 
but not an extra shirt. And whatever house you enter, stay there until you leave that town. It's similar to how Jesus is living his own life and ministry. He had the clothes that he had on his back. He had the food that people would give them. He would sleep where people welcomed him into his home. He would stay there with them, and then he'd go to another home. Go be like me, he's saying. Do the things I'm, you've watched us do it. This is how we knock on doors. This is how we tell people about the kingdom that's coming. This is how we invite them to participate. Stay with them and preach this message. And then he says, wherever house you stay in, stay there until you leave that town. And if any place will not welcome you or listen to you, leave that place. Shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. They went out and they preached that people should repent and they drove, them, drove out many demons, and he anointed many sick people with oil, and they healed him, healed them. That was their work. They went and they preached. In fact, Matthew adds a little bit more um, content or a little bit more to that whole go and, and send kind of piece. I'll read that to you. We'll put up on the screen here. Even Matthew 10 says, um, as you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick. Raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. And so this is the work of the disciples, to go and drive out demons, to go and anoint sick people, to heal them, to raise them from the dead. That's incredible. That's the work that he's called them to do. Our rabbi, Jesus, as he calls the disciples to go be like him, our rabbi has not just called us to believe the right things. He has, but he's also called us to do the right things. And those things go hand in hand with each other. Out of our belief of who God is and how he works, then action comes after that. So he's called us to believe the right things and he's called us to then do the right things. And so when Jesus says, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men, hang on one sec. When he says, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men, it's not like a cute, cool dad joke of like, you were fishermen and now you're fishers of men. Like, isn't that punny? Like, it's not, that wasn't the idea behind like his words there. It doesn't translate that way in the Hebrew. Uh, it's just that fun way in English. And so what he's saying here is, I'm going to teach you, it's a Hebrew idiom. I'm going to teach you to capture the minds and the hearts of men. That's what he's calling them to. I'm going to teach you to be fishers of men. Uh, you're going to put down those nets, the things that keep you from following me. And then I'm going to give you new equipment. And that's the spirit. I'm going to give you the power uh, to go and cast out demons over spirits. Um, that's the equipment I'm going to give you. And then with that equipment, you're going to go and you're going to capture the minds and the hearts of men. And you're going to do that with your teaching. You're going to do that with your works. Uh, you're going to do that with the way that you live your life in front of other people. So he's teaching them to do exactly what he does. That's what Jesus as a good rabbi would do. He would be able to teach a lesson that was uh, capturing to the minds of the people that were there watching and listening. He would do a miracle in front of them and show them the power of God that goes beyond just the physical of what's happening there on the surface. I'm going to teach you to become a fisher of men just like I am. Pause. Do you believe this? 
do we really internally believe this, that this is what Jesus wants to do with us, with each of us here in this room. As a member of Sun Hills, as a person of this body, this is what God wants to do with us. There's some like pieces of like great excitement that uh, well up inside of me as I begin to think about the kinds of things that we as a church would do as we go into our neighborhoods and we pray for healing for our neighbors and they become healed. And we pray for each other and things in our life may not actually change, but the spirit and the hope and the joy behind what we bring into our life and the situation actually does change. And we begin to look at life differently because we have people around us who are practicing this way of Jesus. Do you believe that this is the sort of stuff that God actually wants to do through his church still today? Because I do. I really do. I believe that Jesus still wants to heal people in a real sense, like physical healing in our world today. I believe Jesus still wants to cast out demons in a real sense and overcome the spiritual stuff in our lives and other people's lives through his church. In fact, when Jesus says in John 14, I tell you the truth that anyone who believes in me will do the same works that I have done and even greater works because I am going to be with the Father. When he says those words, we have to do some pretty amazing theological, like backbending uh, gymnastics to get around the fact that Jesus wants to do the thing, us to do the things that he did. Jesus is calling us into the same kind of life of fishers of men that he has that he's lived for us to watch. And we might have some barriers in our life to get over for these things. Uh, this may not be where you're at yet of like what God is doing uh, in your life as far as the healing of your own spirit and your own walk with him to call you into uh, praying for other people. But I think that we live in an area where we don't see this happening a lot. And so it's easy not to believe that it happens anymore. That's where I would say mission work that goes beyond our borders is really important. When we go into worlds uh, and countries that are unlike ourselves and we see the way the spiritual realm has power in other countries, it's amazing. Uh, both scary and amazing of what God's doing. And so I want to encourage us as a church to continue to do that. That's not just for uh, the, the young Christians or young adults or young kids in our church to go and do mission work. It's for us, uh, for our own benefit, to go see what God is doing in other parts of this world and then even bring that back here to these places so we can work that out in our context with who we are. So do we believe this is really what God's calling us to because he says it is? And this is where the hard part is. He says this is what he wants us to do. He wants us to spend time with him so that we can then become like him, so that we can then do the things he did. And that includes the stuff that he just called his disciples and us to go do. If we were to put Jesus' kingdom work into categories, we'll put them up here for us to read. These are the things that we see Jesus doing, uh, kind of more in like the categorical sense. These are things we see Jesus doing throughout his ministry. And when he says, I want you to be like me, the things that we as followers of Jesus also then want to be doing. So the first one is preaching the gospel. 
And that might have all kinds of connotations uh, for you um, and your background and history uh, and follower of Jesus, what it means to preach the gospel. But, and we'll talk more about that in coming uh, weeks and months. But uh, preach the gospel is what he, he does a lot and what he calls us to. Teaching the way of Jesus is what he wants us to do. That's what the, the, the uh, rabbi would do. He'd teach you his ways so that you could then go and teach others to live the way that your rabbi lived. And that uh, is the actual physical way that Jesus would live as well as the, the, um, the key tenets of the way Jesus lived. He would heal the sick. He'd be casting out demons. He'd be eating and drinking with people far from God. He would call them out of a tree, a tax collector from the tree, and say, come and, and eat with me. Actually, don't eat with me. I'm going to eat with you because uh, I don't have a home, but you do. And so I'm going to go eat in your house, and we're going to eat together, and you're going to invite all your other tax collector friends to come, and we're going to eat together. He would eat with people that are far from himself, far from God. He'd do justice. He would uh, work at peacemaking. He would pray. He would pray, not just on his own. That was some of the be with Jesus stuff. He would pray, and then he would pray with people, and he would pray for people. This is one of the most powerful ways that we, as a Christian, at this space in our world, this space in our life, we're able to engage the kingdom of heaven coming to the kingdom of earth is through the way we pray for and with each other. That's the one, I'll, I'll read the other ones here in a minute, but that's the one praying that I want us to be practicing this week. I'll say more about that at the end, but that's where I want us to engage at is in praying. He would prophesy and he would stand up against religious and political corruption. We would see him doing these things in large sweeps and large categories all over the Gospels. And then we see his disciples doing this in the pages that follow his resurrection and ascension into heaven. And so this is what he does and what he calls us as followers of him to be engaged in. Now, we look at all these things and uh, it looks scary. It's like, wow, God wants me to do all that. One, it's a big list, it feels like. like it's a lot of things to do. So hold on. Uh, I put it up there so you can kind of see like this is where, what Jesus was doing. But it's not up there to like check the boxes and go, oh, I'm doing that one, I'm doing that one, I'm, oh, I'm not doing that one, I'm doing that one. Like that's not the goal. The goal is that over a lifetime of following Jesus, these are the things that we get to be part of. These are the things that we get to engage with him in. And it's going to take a lifetime for us to be doing these things. And they may happen one at a time. They may happen in blocks at a time. But at some point, we're doing all of this as we grow in our capacity to receive God's love and then give his love. These are the things that we get to be enjoy joining him and engaging him in. As we join Jesus and bringing all these things, or joining Jesus, and bringing the kingdom of God to your neighborhood, to your apartment building, to your dorm room, to Cameron Park, to El Dorado Hills, to the streets of the city you live on. These are the ways we bring the kingdom of heaven to the kingdom of earth, and that's so foundational for us as a church that this is the goal that we want to be living out is bringing the kingdom of heaven to earth and acting these things out. But it takes a long time, as we talked about, in 
following Jesus and then being transformed to be like him. Then we start doing these things. So two objections that I hear when we talk about these kinds of things. I'm going to go through them uh, briefly with us. Kind of two objections um, that maybe internally, uh, as you sit with this, as you're sitting there in your seat and you're like, okay, those things are cool, but, and if I don't hit one of those two objections, I'd be curious what else is out there um, because uh, I'd love to hear it. Not because I have the answer, but because I want to know what in our own spirit is pushing against this call of Jesus to go do what he called us to do, right? Like if there's something in you going, uh, I don't know, Eric, I think that pay attention to those things because those are the things they're saying, I don't know that I want. That looks scary or that looks weird or I've been a part of churches that did stuff like that before and they got really, you know, whatever. Or I don't know how you or your experience with these things are, but as you do, as you sit there and there's some sort of discomfort in your soul as you read these things, pay attention to that and let's talk about those things together. Um, but here's two kind of big objections that I, I've talked through with people, I've heard, um, even in my own spirit as we begin to talk about doing the things of Jesus. So first one is this, yeah, but Jesus is God and I'm not. First off, great. I'm glad that we can accept that um, and move past that, that one. Okay, so Jesus is God, but I'm not. And usually the way we read the Gospels um, is that Jesus' miracles was a way to prove that he was God. And so only God could walk on water. Only God could turn water into wine. Only God could raise someone from the dead. Only God, and then fill in the miracle blank, right? And so like we use that as a proof text of Jesus was God. All right. Jesus was God. Jesus is God. So anything I say after that point, don't hear me wrong. Uh, Jesus is God and Jesus was God at that moment. Uh, But the miracles he did were not just proof that he was God. They were proof that he was the Messiah, which is different than saying he was God. He is the sent one. Those miracles were proof that all the Old Testament prophets that came before him, all the people that were doing miracles before Jesus were saying, I'm just doing this because it's a glimmer of the kingdom of heaven that's coming. And when the Messiah comes, he's going to do all these things and usher in the kingdom of heaven as he does it. It's going to be totally different. So yes, Jesus was God and is God. And he was doing these things as an indicator of Messiah. But remember, in our objection, but Jesus is God and I'm not, I don't know if I can do those things. His disciples did these things through the power of the Spirit. When God became man, he set aside his God card. He set aside the Godness of that. And he began to enter into the world as fully man and fully God and use the power of the Spirit in him to do the things that God would call him to do. And so his disciples did many of these miracles because they too had the same power of the Spirit in them to do the things that God could only do. Christians sense Jesus has done these things, and they've healed people, and they've raised people from the dead, and they've turned Uh, little bits of food into large amounts of food. And they've done miracles in the name of God with the power of the Spirit. If we go the other direction, before Jesus, we can see prophets and great men and women in the Old Testament um, doing similar things to what Jesus was going to do. As we see Jesus... um, 
calming a storm, uh, sleeping in a boat, right? Waking up, calming a storm, walking on the sea, mastering the elements. We also see Moses and Elijah and Joshua striking or putting their pole down or whatever it might be and splitting a, a river or a sea um, or a great, a great divide of water, splitting these things and walking through on dry land. That happened multiple times in the Old Testament. Jesus raised someone from the dead, so did Elijah. Jesus um, fed a lot of people with a little bit of food. So did Elijah's apprentice, Elisha. These things happened before, and Jesus is calling upon them in order to bring back the memory of, these are great men and women, empowered by God. I am the Messiah, the one that they were all pointing to. These things happened before, and they've happened after. And so we look at these things and we can say, yeah, Jesus is God, and we have God in us. That's his call to us, be connected to the vine, right? Uh, I am in them, and they are in me. We are one. All these pieces coming together to say, yes, we have the power of the Spirit in us to do these things. So, yes, Jesus is God, and we are not, but we have the power and the spirit of God and the calling to do the things that God that empowered us to do in these things. Second objection. This one I feel like can be a bit, uh, you have to use our imagination a little bit more um, when we get into these kinds of realms of, but Jesus isn't in my context. Um, Jesus isn't me. He He's not a uh, 20-something-year-old uh, female living in Sacramento. Um, no, you're right. Jesus, uh, to be fair, was a first-century Jewish male who was a rabbi somewhere in his 30s. Like, this is who Jesus was. And so when we ask the question of, like, well, then what would Jesus do? Which is a great, you know, WWJD, right? Like, that was amazing. Uh, that, that's a good thing for us to dwell on. Of like, yeah, what would Jesus do? But I would suggest that we add a bit to it because it's not just what would Jesus do because Jesus isn't us right now. Jesus was lived in a different time, a different context, and we have to contextualize for where we are today. And so we can ask the question a bit more personally. What would Jesus do if he were me, I don't know, do we have that? There we go. Yeah, that's a little longer, but it's even better, right? WWJDIHWM, uh, put that on a bracelet. So like, what would Jesus do if he were me? Like, this is the question that we're asking of Jesus. You're in my space now. You're, you, imagine like you've got my context and, and my upbringing and my history and my mind and my, like where we are. Jesus, if you were here in this situation and you're me, what would you do? How would you engage this situation? And so we get to be a bit more creative. This is what I mean by using our imagination along with the guidance of the Holy Spirit and feedback from our community. So important that we have community around us. So we ask kind of maybe scary questions like this of like, what would Jesus do if he were me? It's like, oh, wait a second. We want to be careful. We're not like jumping off the pages of scripture. I agree. We want to do what the Spirit has called us to do. So let's gather our community and say, here's the situation. Here's where I'm at. Now, this is, I've been praying and I've been reading and I think that this is what Jesus would do if he were me. What do you think? Let them weigh in. 
Let them have feedback. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. I think that's the, the, the play. Like, let's go for it. Or, uh, I don't think so. You're off base here. That's not the direction. Let's try this again. Let's pray longer on this. I think there's something else that Jesus is calling us to. We use our community and we use the presence of the Spirit now in us to ask this kind of a question so that we can do what Jesus has called us to do to be like our rabbi. After some point, so those are our two objections. If there's more, that's fun. Let's talk about those. Not because, again, not because I have the answer and I'm gonna like debate you on that's not an objection, uh, but because I wanna hear like, what is it our spirit is pushing back against when Jesus calls us to do the things that he did? So after some point, his disciples became like him. After some point, we, his disciples, those who have been following Jesus, we get to be with him, time spent with him. These are contemplative practices. These are things that we've talked about here for a little while. And then we get to become like him. This is the, the work that we do in our internal life, in our internal spirit, that he begins to change us and heal us um, internally within ourselves. And then we are called to go do, to go become and be what he was to other people. So it's not a formula and I, I want to say that before I say the next thing. It's not a formula. It's not like we're going to master one and then move into the next one and master the second one. Like, okay, I've, I've been with Jesus. I've got that down. I'm totally, yep, locked in, time to graduate, boom, to the next one. And then we stop being with him or something. Like, it's not how that works, but it is a progression. I do want to say it that way. It is a progression. We don't want to put mission ahead of discipleship. Um, if we put mission out here, then we run to go do, and we've missed the how do we do it and the power that we do it with. We become super extra busy and worn out and burned out trying to do. We get hurt trying to do, and then we have no tools to deal with the hurt that just happened. There's all kinds of other things that happen when we put mission ahead of discipleship. So there is a progression. So it's important to know where we're at personally, individually, where we're at as we progress through this stage. But as we progress, we learn where we're at. Are we with him? Are we becoming like him? I've spent some time with Jesus. I think I've got a practice down that helps me in a daily rhythm be with Jesus. And then I've watched him work on me and change my spirit and change who I am. So I'm becoming like him. I'm ready to go do. But then as we do, we always come back again to let's go be with him. We see this even in his, the, Jesus' calls to his disciples. He says, go, and I want you to go into the world, and I want you to proclaim my message and, and the things we just read about, like healing people and raising them from the dead and casting out demons and all these things. And then afterwards, they come back and they debrief with Jesus. Okay, here's how it went. Here's what we saw. Here's what we heard. Here's what happened. If you recall, there's even a story where Jesus is away with a couple of his disciples on a trip and he comes back after a couple of days and when he does, he sees his disciples trying to cast out a demon and they're failing. They're not able to do it. The crowds are getting all agitated. Like, what's going on? They call themselves your disciple. Why can't they do this? Like, what, what's happening here? And he comes in, he kind of calms it all down. He explains what happens. He casts out the demon. But what we see here is this pattern of we're gonna try we're going to go do what our rabbi did. And it might be amazing. It might work. We might fail at it, but we're going to come back to our community. We're going to come back to our presence with God. And we're going to say, God, what was going on here? 
Here, let me, let's, let's, let's debrief together. Let's talk through what happened and what went right or what went wrong and how do we go back out and try again. It's this uh, constant flow of being with our rabbi, becoming like our rabbi, doing what our rabbi did, and then we continue on in that process. This is the flow of walking with our rabbi and becoming like him and doing what he did. So this discipleship and mission goes hand in hand. One prompts the other. All right, down to the practical. How do we do what Jesus did? Let's give a couple of practical things for us this week, and we'll end with our practice. How do we do what Jesus did? First one is this. I want us to learn, and this is not something we're going to do like right now and, and master it in one week, but be aware of and learn to live in the moment and be open to interruptions in our life. Think through the miracles of Jesus. A lot of them were interruptions. He's sleeping in a boat. Wake up, wake up, wake up. We're going to die. Calms the storms. That's an interruption. We've all been woken up. It's an interruption. He's traveling. He's on his way somewhere. He's been called to go help somebody, and on his way to help them, the crowds press in, some woman touches him, and, he's, and she's healed. Stop everything. I need to know who just touched me. That's an interruption. Or he's preaching, and he's giving a message in a temple, and he's reading, and some demon calls out and says, I know who you are. You're the son of... Shh, quiet. Cast that one out. That's an interruption. So many times, these miracles, these interactions, these ways that Jesus brings the kingdom of heaven to the kingdom of earth is an interruption in his normal everyday or what he's already got planned to do. And so, if we're going to be like our rabbi, we have to be okay with some interruptions in our life. In fact, we should probably plan interruptions into our calendar, into our schedule. So learning to live in the moment and interrupt and go, okay, I can be interrupted for this. This is the kingdom of God happening right now. It's okay if I don't do the other things. Trust the leading of the Holy Spirit. So, so important for us. Again, not something we're going to master in just a couple of days or something. Learn to hear the voice of the Spirit. Learn to tell the difference between the Spirit's leading and your own kind of internal voice working its conscience happening. But learn to discern the voice of the Spirit and be able to trust His leading. And when you think He's saying go, try it. Go. And learn to trust the leading of the Holy Spirit. Third, grow in receiving God's love and giving it away. We've said this in other ways, living in God's love and living out God's love. Learn to grow in receiving God's love and giving his love away. That's the kingdom of heaven at work, giving his love away. Fourth, be in community. Be in community. I've brought it up a couple times already intentionally this morning because I want this to be a reality for us. I love that we are a community, one church, one family. We know and love each other. I also want us to have individual communities uh, within our body. That as the weeks go on, we meet with the same people, we eat together, and we share what is it that you're working on this week? What is the practice that God has for you this week? And we're sharing these things with one another. Be in community is going to be important. And the last one I'm going to leave off, so don't put it up. 
Okay. This week's practice. I want us to practice praying for one another. And I mean like where we spend a time every day praying for the people that come to mind for us. If we look around this room, we can pray for the people that we know and see here. As we think through the relationships and the uh, friendships that we have, we pray for the people that come to mind. Maybe there's some individual people that you know already that have shared things with you. But one of the most powerful ways, I said this earlier, that we're going to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth right now is through our prayer. Because it's not just us petitioning God, but it's his spirit in us. And as we pray his spirit out over others, it's God's work in their life as well. It's true in scripture. We see it when we pray, God responds, God acts, God does things. When we pray, God responds. And so one of the first ways we can do that is by engaging in prayer with each other and with one another. And so I have a question for us in this group here. Uh, this is a little, bit, it's a little bit risky maybe for us, a little vulnerable for us. Um, I'm curious, who are our prayers? And when I say that, I know all of us pray, um, and I don't mean like, you know, there's like special people who can only pray and some people then, oh, sorry, you can't pray, you're not a prayer. But I mean, those of you who, one, it's like a pleasure for you. It doesn't feel like ripping out teeth, right? Like, I love to pray. Like, it's a pleasure for you. But two, when you pray, things happen. When you pray, you see people's lives change. You see maybe healing. You see God work and move when you pray. And I, I, I ask this question because I would love to know, for us as a congregation, who we can go to and who we can count on and who we know are already praying for us. Because I want to try something together as a church here this morning during our next song as we worship. So if you're bold enough, would you like just acknowledge it with a hand? I don't know. We're not going to do every eye closed, every head bowed, but we're going to, yeah, okay. Who's our prayers? Okay. Love it. Okay. So for our prayers, great. Okay, good. For our prayers, would you, we're going to bring the lights down. We're going to play some music. Uh, we're going to worship. Would you find... Um, maybe a spot in the room, okay? So corner, back of the wall, kind of around. Um, and uh, I want you to kind of, if you feel comfortable, position yourself there and pray for us, okay? Pray over us as a body. And if you are someone who needs prayer or wants to join them in prayer, go to them and pray with them. That In this song, we're singing, we're worshiping, but I also wanna invite us to engage in prayer as our practice right now as well as throughout this week. And I know this is like scary. In fact, there's like not like tons of people in here to like hide our movements in, right? And so like there's already like, oh my gosh, what are you doing, Eric? Like, so I offer this to us even out of my own kind of like, this is risky. And I, I knew it would be. Um, but I believe that this is a space that God wants us to practice these things in we're not going to move beyond these things until we're comfortable praying for each other. Uh, we're not going to pray a demon out of our neighbor if we can't pray for our friend here uh, right around us uh, because they're hurting or they're uh, in some sort of 
um, turmoil within. So we, we need this here for ourselves to pray for each other. So um, no more talking from me, except to say, we're going to bring some lights down, help with some of the, you know, cloakiness of it. That'll be good. Uh, prayers, if you're comfortable, stand and find a spot. Everybody else, pray with us, sing with us. If you want to go and pray with them in the back or you have something you want prayer for, you can share that with them. You don't have to say what it is. Just tell them, I need prayer. Pray for me. Um, So let's just do it.